This is IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. I'm your host, Lee Llewellyn. Quality of place has become a slogan for many communities as they look for ways to buffer population loss and they hope to attract new residents to grow their workforce. So as economic developers know, a skilled and skillable workforce has become the competitive edge for attracting and retaining investment and developing quality of place has become a means toward that end. So in this podcast, uh, I'm going to be talking to a couple of folks who have been very engaged uh, in working on some quality of place initiatives. Uh, Both of these folks, uh, I think this is going to be a very energetic conversation, and both of these folks have a great story to tell. So today I'm talking with Maya Michelson, Executive Director of the Indiana Arts Commission, and Brian Sheehan. Uh, the Director of Special Projects and Community Development for the City of Rushville, Indiana. Uh, and um, this is going to be, I think, a really fun conversation. Uh, so so as we start talking about quality of place, you know, our general question is going to be, you know, is it something more than I'll know it if I see it? When we start talking here, I think both of these folks have some very definite ideas. So Maya and Brian, thank you for being with me today. Oh, thanks for the invite. Love, love talking quality of place in the arts. So, Brian, I want to start with you, and I, I want you to go back in time a little bit and give us a history lesson. So take us back to Rushville in the past. Uh, identify a point in time and give us a profile of what Rushville, Indiana used to look like. Talk about the look and the feels. Take me back to us. Take us back to a time and and uh, describe what Rushville looked like, sort of before. Just say it's a very dangerous question during a bicentennial year, and I'm the bicentennial chairman, so I I will not start with 1822. Uh, we'll we'll kind of fast forward to uh, I would say like like many communities um, around the state, our heyday was in the past. Um, in the 70s, probably uh, would have been would probably our our biggest time, just a lot of hustle and bustle, large uh, population, uh, school attendance, 76 Lions went to the state. You know, there's just a lot of great things that were going on um, at that time. But from there to probably 2010 was just a slow, steady decline. And uh, rather than waiting for that next big win, it was really being afraid of what the next loss was. You know, a new bi- another business, another building went down, just some some pretty difficult times. And again, I think so many times in small towns, we think that's only happening happening to us. Um, and uh, you know, doing a little research, that's that's kind of rural uh, through Indiana and 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 America in general. So uh, we we really wanted um, you know to try to figure out how to do something different about that, like other communities. And, and hopefully, that's the story we're going to tell today. So talk a little bit though about you know you you, you kind of touched upon this, but how did it feel? Uh, at, at that point in Rushville, uh, how what was the spirit and what was the mood of the of the citizens at that point? As things were declining, I think the one thing that you still had because you have that in rural America is there still was a pride of our hometown and a longing to be what we once were. I also think though that there were a number of people kind of looking around saying, "Gee, I'm not sure I want to be the last person here to turn the lights off." Um, so we did lose some people. 
uh, as businesses closed, other jobs were found, moved away, uh, but but still had a number of people looking back, you know, how's Rushville doing? And, um, uh, but yeah, very prideful, but very, um, how would I best say that? Just just a little bit discouraged about where, where we were going and the fact that we just weren't seeing that win anymore. Okay. So Maya, you know, when Brian describes, you know, sort of the sense of downward spiral, pride in the past, how does a community like that, that's, that's at sort of that point, how does it attract the attention of the Indiana Arts Commission? I think in this in this particular case, it was by virtue of the Indiana Arts Commission being on the stellar team. Uh, we were part of the team uh, from the Office of Community and Rural Affairs, OCRA, in its stellar communities competition, and we were part of the review team. So we were there to to play a role in, in looking at the app, the community applicants, those communities that have applied for stellar designation, to see where they were as it relates to arts and culture and quality of place, and so. And that, in, in Rushville's particular instance, that, that was how we engaged. But, but how a community gets on the radar from the, for the Indiana Arts Commission, if you're not a stellar applicant, is to reach out. And we are there to, to go and, and chat with, with communities and, and take a look at what they've got and talk about their community planning and, and what they have as assets. And we did that with Rushville as part of the, the stellar application. But, but as a state agency, that serves communities, that wants to see quality of place grow in communities. Um, all a community needs to do to get us engaged is to reach out and say, come on down or up or over, and we're there. All right. So we're going to talk about uh, the stellar community process in just a minute. But but before we go any further, uh, Maya, I would like you to just stop and give an overview of what is the Indiana Arts Commission for people who are not familiar. Why does it exist and what does it exist to do? Yeah, great question. So the Indiana Arts Commission is an agency of state government, and we exist to uh, strengthen Indiana through arts and creativity. And we do that in a lot of different ways. We do that through direct grants making. We provide support to arts organizations and arts projects. And Rushville's been a recipient of, of several arts project support grants. We also provide capacity building, much like we did with Rushville as part of the seller process and then some other work we did with them. We also provide technical assistance. We also do consultancies. We also support creative entrepreneurship, individual creative small business entrepreneurs that we provide training workshops and skill building to help build the small business ecosystem in the state. So we're a state agency and we're all about building quality of place and we do it through arts and creativity. We've been around 50 plus years. There's a state arts commission in every state, U.S. state and territory. And um, Indiana just happens to be located in Indianapolis. But again, we're on the ground um, wherever community is and whatever, for whatever community needs us to do. Good. And I'm sure we, as we talk about specific things that happened in Rushville, we'll get a better understanding of uh, how what you do at the Arts Commission, how that applies. So, Brian, I'm going to come back to you for a minute. So we'll talk a little bit about uh, the, the Stellar City uh, competition and the stellar city designation. Um, you know, what did stellar city and going through that process, what did that mean to you and, and Rushville? Uh, it was a, it was a really a dream of the, the mayors. He had heard about the stellar 
uh, competition and what it could do to help transform a community. It brought a lot of agencies together, a lot of dollars together, and it created high impact, very visual projects uh, in, in a downtown usually. And looking back I mean, and seeing some of the others, I would argue our case is, is probably one of the best, if not the best uh, cases of that money, truly driving investment, um, not just with the city, um, and uh, uh, we had ochre dollars involved, INDOT uh, dollars involved. There was also private development for housing, but it really fueled something um, pretty special here. But our, our goal with Stellar was we wanted to transform our community. Um, we started with, with I, I always talk about the rewords. Uh, we had reimagine, reinvest, rediscover. Those were things that we put on banners and put downtown and tried to visually put something that says, we, we have to do something different. We want to do something different. Stellar provided uh, really a contest for our community to pull together, to create collaboration, um, to build capacity, and and really to to unite for for a single goal. And with Stellar, that that got all of those things in action. The year before, we had tried basically put our packet together, but it just wasn't big enough, and and we were thrown out before being a finalist. The second year, we were a finalist and were able to get there. And how that ties to art. Still one of my favorite stories of, of the stellar process was we had just given, I felt the presentation of our life. Uh, I felt like we, you know, if it was gymnastics, we stuck the landing. We, we did everything that we wanted to. And then uh, uh, a, a little lady from the back of the arts commission says, Hey, I see several points in here where you talk about art, you know, being a part of your process. I'd like to know how you're going to do that. What's your capacity? Uh, I think there's a few other things connected. And I just, uh, just looked at her and said, we don't know that. We're hoping to look to an agency like you to really help guide us through that process. And absolutely, they have done that from, from the time we won Stellar to now. Uh, they've been a resource and, and really a driving force in, in getting, I, I would say, that that visual component off the ground and, and really starting to fuel some big change in Rushville. Thanks, Brian. And that, yeah, and I was that little lady in the back who's asking all the <laughs> uh, questions. Just FYI, and and I would what I would say, and again, what what Brian is saying about the stellar process can be true of any process, right? Or true of any sort of community sort of visioning process. What stellar did, which what you know communities can do, is come together around a vision and come together in community with, with a vision and a plan and and some willingness to take some risk to step out and. And I'm sure Brian's going to talk about some of the early wins they had related to arts and creativity, the the, the uh, lions and so forth, and the murals and how they sort of built up. But again, what Stellar did is what any community could do, which is, again, come together with a vision and then actualize that with arts and creativity and, and with housing and lots of other things. So I think what Rushville proved is that, you know, a, a, a small community can can get some swagger behind them with and couple that with some vision and and take some big steps and and really change a community because when I go to Rushville now the Rushville I see now is nothing like the Rushville I saw when I first when I pulled up for that uh, stellar uh, final interview in person sort of site visit it, there's no, there's no comparison to what I see now it's it's really transformative and again. Stellar was a huge piece of that, but then what the community did and how they believed in themselves and how they had community spark plugs and how they were willing to take risks 
and partner smart, I think is really part of the winning formula that a community can look at and how to, again, how to move forward. And again, be willing to, to, to reach out and work with a non-traditional partner like, like an arts commission, like your tourism bureau, like other kinds of agencies and organizations that you might not be thinking about as it relates to building quality of place or economic development. Part of the reason, though, why I was asking Brian about the feel before Stellar is that I think that communities get into that mindset, can can get into a mindset as they start to see businesses go away and they start to see people go away and they start to see, you know, as Brian was describing, buildings coming down. There, there is a, a downward spiral mindset that communities get into that there oftentimes is not a catalyst that turns that mindset around. Uh, and it becomes very defeatist. And, and and I've heard from other communities that didn't get the stellar designation, but but just going through the process gave them some plans and some forward momentum. Uh, and sometimes just finding that catalyst is very hard for a community to even turn that downward that downward spiral mindset around and and start doing things differently and i think you've talked about that a couple of times brian about just the attitudes needed something to make them change and to make people start thinking differently yeah i and i i thought of a few things as you were sitting there talking one of them was you know you go back 10 years ago and let's say a building was built you would hear that's pretty nice for rushville you'd hear that that adder and and now we have things that are going up where people say, "Wow, that's great! That that's really nice." That's and it's not for Rushville. It's you know we we had uh, our farmers market when we built it uh, downtown. There were two buildings that got torn down. Uh, we built um, kind of facade area to fill the gap in our downtown teeth. You know we had Kokomo come down and take a look at that. You know it wasn't it wasn't we had a small town from right next door to come look at it. It was Kokomo, uh, our our Riverside Park Amphitheater, something we've had people visit visit us from all around to kind of see how we do that. So it is, it is getting those wins. It is getting a little bit of the swagger. And and for us, we did so many plans over that first three to four years where we were actively trying to build where we wanted to go. Art was the perfect thing to start getting community pride, to get people built around something was different here and to really, you know, fill that gap also between um, um, art projects sometimes can come together pretty quickly. A lot of our other projects were maybe three, four years down the road. So uh, it was definitely a huge catalyst uh, in our story and something we're, we're real proud of. The Arts Commission in Rushville then connect and around some of those art, uh, art ideas. So what exactly was it that you got started on that began to develop that momentum? So I'll, I'll touch on a couple of things, and Brian will have more, and then I, then, then I may build on that. But, you know, one of the things that we recognized early on through working with Rushville on the stellar process was that Rushville was hungry for more. They were hungry, to, to Brian's point, as to what, how he answered in the uh, in the sort of stellar interview was like, I don't know how we're going to do this. Maybe you can help us. And it was clear that they were interested in doing some community cultural planning. So we connected them with a statewide organization called Prosperity Indiana that had a, uh, had a consultancy program. And so they sent a consultant to work with Rushville Bryant. I don't know. I mean, it was 
hundreds of hours that she spent with you guys putting together a, a community-wide cultural plan that I think start, really became sort of the template for how Rushville was going to build out its art and creativity sort of infrastructure and the kind of project it was going to do. And that, again, that wasn't anything we funded, but we connected Rushville with another agency that was able to fund it. Um, and so then we also... Yeah, go ahead. Well, so so let me stop and, and uh, let's drill down on that for a minute. So what does a cultural plan mean or what 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 is a cultural plan? Because that's a little bit of a new term. What does that yeah, mean? So, Brian, you want to say you want to talk a little bit about it from your perspective, sort of what it delivered for you? Well, yeah, in, in, in an easy way, maybe to maybe to back that up and just just say all in all. If you'd have come to our town before we got uh, involved with the Arts Commission, we would have said we have zero art. Um, our Arts Council had failed uh, years previously. Our theater had just uh, also closed shop after being in you know forty some years downtown. There was no downtown art to to be seen. There was not a mural. There's no sculpture. There's no anything. And uh, so what what we did even before we got to that point was. Um, we arranged and had uh, some people come from all over the state to have like this little dream walk to be like, okay, people that know what you're doing in art, what do you see? What what are some advantages? Where could we put our, um, so I, I think that was it. Our arts commission for the first few years we were involved was basically the mayor and myself uh, just trying to figure out like, what can we, what can we get going? But I think when you get more to the, uh, the NowCab grant that we got, that was an art consultancy it helped us build capacity, go find artists, go find people that like art, go find people that want to fund art, pull it together, and, and then really let us know, you know, what are the things that we're looking at? So we were looking to revive the theater, to bring, whether it's whether it's paintings or sculptures or, or and then understanding that woodworking is an art. Um, so there, there was, there was just, it, it just opened our mind to, there's a whole lot more out there than just a mural. And I think that's sometimes when people, you know, oh, we got all kinds of art that that's that's where it, it kind of stops so that allowed us to get a master arts plan which said things like we're going to do five things in a year that are for seniors we're going to try to do uh, uh, teaching art for kids uh, we're going to do this many outdoor uh, uh, theater we want to bring Shakespeare to the park so that uh, maybe that gives enough of that just it really opened our eyes to the things that were possible that you don't typically see in a small town so, so one of the things, though, that intrigues me, Brian, is, though, I mean, Rushville is, a, is an agricultural community. It's a, I, I, I'm going to venture that it's probably a fairly conservative place. Didn't people hear you talking about art and think that that was just a, a lot of wasted time and fluff? Our very first endeavor, well, not our very first, we'll, we'll talk about the Lions in a second, but we did a Wilkie mural. Uh, through Okra, we got a downtown enhancement grant that actually paid for the mural, but it got out that the mural uh, was $7,000. And there were a number of people who did come out of the woodwork saying, $7,000, imagine what I could do with $7,000. You know, and, and it's true, there's other things you could do with that. Uh, but with the downtown enhancement grant, it's pretty specific to what we were going after as part of our goal. But it took that first thing for people to get it for it to get up, for people to see it, for people to come through and comment, for uh, it, it, it um, honors Wendell Wilkie, who ran for president in 1940. 
it's kind of a lost story for many of our younger generations. So it revived a piece of our history and um, that win allowed us. And again, we were very strategic in that. Our first, our first mural was not something so far out there that nobody could understand. I, I personally like to get to that point where we're pushing a little bit, uh, but it was a very safe first way to get into art. And then our second mural, it ended up being funded by local businesses. So very quickly, Art, they saw art as a value and people stepped up to pay for that art. What I would say is what Brian said speaks to, and I think Lee, you and I have talked about this before, why they're so beloved in Rushville. It's because they're lifting up history and heritage and culture of the community, right? So they're not something that, that, you know, is generic that maybe somebody saw in another city and then just copied and put it on a wall in downtown. And and then people are confused and don't understand this. People love to see their history and heritage reflected around them. So the Wilkie mural, Brian, we also funded, a, the Arts Commission partially funded a mural that they did in, the, in their farmer's market, which celebrates their agricultural heritage. That's a gorgeous mural. And I would also say, and again, those speak to who Rushville is as a community, and they're very authentic to Rushville. And I would also say, and this is a really important piece of the conversation, which is the Wilkie mural and the farmer's market mural were done by Pamela Bliss, who is one of the preeminent muralists in the state of Indiana. I mean, she's phenomenal. She's got murals all over Indianapolis. She has murals all over the place. But she's fantastic. And that, I think, also sends a really important message to your community, which is, number one, your heritage and your history is important, and we should share it and celebrate it. And then, two, we are a community worthy of having a top-flight, top-rate, fantastic muralist like Pamela Bliss do a mural. So again, that I think that just speaks to, again, something that then, as Brian reflected on, communities can take pride in, and then all of a sudden, private sector wants to get involved, and then all of a sudden, then you've got the ball is rolling, and then you've sometimes got more than you can handle. So that's, again, Rushville did it right, absolutely. And, 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 and a complete side story is that whole thing. If you want something bad enough, the whole world conspires to make it happen. Uh, Pamela yeah. Bliss... I, I was watching the uh, the uh, uh, Super Bowl that year, and they were doing 46 murals, I think, downtown. I looked up a yeah. couple of murals. I sent emails out saying, hey, I'm just sitting here, and I, I saw the story on murals. I want one in Rushville. Give me a call. She called me that day, and I said, I don't know if you're familiar. There's this big horse in Cameron City and Kurt Vonnegut downtown. Those are my two things. They're just big and bold. And she said, I did both of those. <laughs> I was like, holy cow. Um, so, yes, it and, and you do get sometimes it's like, why can't a local person do that? And kind of getting in deep enough to know what our local people can handle and and what's best to go out and get somebody, you know, that's really good like Pamela um, is has been important. So, Maya, you and I talked about this. And, I, and again, it's a philosophy. But both of you, I mean, do you think in Rushville's case in particular, because you know, there are lots of murals that are now blossoming around the state of Indiana, and it's really fun and it's exciting to go see them. But we, Maya, you and I talked about, you know, the thing about the, the at least the first two murals in Rushville, Wendell Wilkie, and then, you know, the agricultural heritage sort of mural, which is really the whole site of a building uh, on the farmer's market. Does that, the fact that they are very place-based, 
Do we think that that really helped be a catalyst for helping the resident citizens of Rushville get behind all of this because they saw something that reflected them as opposed to just, as, as you said, Brian, something generic? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure that folks have seen, you know, there, there's the mural that is the butterfly wing that, you know, people can stand in front of and have, you know, have do a selfie and it looks like they have butterfly wings. Those are all over the place now. So we have seen a couple of communities try to copy that and put that in their community. And maybe it was the first or second mural that that community has seen. And the community was like, what, why, you know, what does that have to do with, what does that have to do with, you know, our community? So we have found that that projects that are that are that build on community history heritage and that the community is involved and engaged with are going to be the ones that are the most successful. And to your comment earlier, Brian, about you know local art, the question about local artists and professional artists, you know there are great opportunities to have it be a yes and, as in a professional artist com- artist comes in and local artists work alongside or a professional artist comes in and does the design and grids it out and local artists then come in and, and add to the work. So there are lots of ways to build capacity um, because as we know, working on a cherry picker in a, or a Jenny lift on a side of a wall is not for everybody. Right. And it's not necessarily something that, you know, you want a first timer uh, dealing with, but there are lots of other ways to get new muralists some experience. And that, you know, it could be doing things like doing mural walls where something's up for a short period of time and then it gets painted over and somebody else does it. Or to do small starter murals on utility traffic boxes at intersections um, and things like that. So there are lots of ways to engage local artists and you absolutely should. That's critical because you want to build that creative sector in your community. And there's a way to put both of those groups together to, to both make sure you've got works that are beautiful and inspiring and then also provide opportunities for local folks to to skill up right because there are quite a few people now who have you know started over the last five to ten years in the state you know working alongside other muralists who are now professional muralists uh, themselves and so we're seeing a burgeoning number of artists who are who are getting who are getting established in that work from all over uh the state which is fantastic but lee to your question you you People can smell when something's not authentic a mile away, right? So I think that being being authentic, drawing on history and heritage, drawing on culture, I think you just can't go wrong there um, as it relates to getting community buy-in. So we've gotten st- a little stuck, though, talking about murals. But, Brian, you know, you mentioned that when you really started thinking about the arts and and the footprint within Rushville. So you talked about Shakespeare in the park. I mean, so there's been there's music, uh, there's there's drama. There's there's more than just a couple of paintings that that has become part of your art footprint, right? That's correct. And and another thing, um, uh, when when uh, we had different uh, art art groups, and certainly the Maya and and their group come to a town. Uh, we kind of showed them around and we go, here's Riverside Park. We do concerts. We have six shows each year. And they're like, what? You have art. You and we, we didn't even recognize that the, the music was uh, was a form of art uh, at the time. And so um, I, I think we just worked really hard to do what we could, when we could. One of the first things that we did that really rallied people, again, tapping into community pride, 
we're fortunate that our county, for the most part, is is serviced by one school corporation. They are the Rustville Lions. Uh, we did um, a concrete lion project, which you've seen. Number, you know, there's pigs and chickens and things all over uh, the country where where towns do something. But lion, I'd never seen done. Uh, so we got these concrete lions. People bought them. They really want. Uh, we had a goal of selling 20 of those, and I think we end up selling over 300 countywide. Uh, so we tapped into a community pride piece. Many people then paid to get those uh, those done. We had a kiss lion and a lion dressed like a dentist, and you know just just a number of things that were kind of fun. Um, but that was that was really our, our our first big piece. Then the two murals came. Then we were able to um, to start working on things like Shakespeare in the Park. We got our arts council up and running. They've had a couple of uh, different things like open mic night. Um, so we, we just have been able to get more people excited and, and to see our, our programs go from 20 people attended to 30 to 40 to 50. And, you know, it's still um, we've got a long ways um, uh, to get to where I would like to see us. But the, the trajectory is is aiming in a direction that says people are are, are certainly buying in and and uh, enjoying those those new options. And then you have things like covid really you know, people, people quit traveling as much. So it gave us opportunities to do some of those things in our community and and maybe start to sway some habits or at least let people know there is a local option um, for some of that, those art forms. So we really didn't say what year um, you went through the stellar process or what year you got that designation. So how long has this process been going on? So we we went through the stellar process in 2016. So we basically started our planning of getting those projects done in 2017. Most of those projects did not happen until 2018 or 2019. So largely, if somebody came through here in 2015 or 16, and they came back again in 2022, uh, it, it is incredible uh, the the difference. For stellar, the city put in four million dollars. The state put in about $6 million and private investment put in about $8 million. So that was our initial investment. Since that time, we track every, every investment uh, that, that has happened. We are to the point of having roughly $130 million in new investment in that period of time, with about $90 million of that being downtown. Several of those large buildings uh, where the city center is now, where I am, uh, where Fish Moon Brewery Company is now, three other buildings that have turned to apartments. You know, there, there were, I think, a top 10 list of big buildings in our downtown that seven of those are now completely redone. Two have been removed and one's still on the wish list. Um, so it is, it truly is uh, an incredible amount of investment in a very short period of time. And as I've said, sometimes size, you know, if, if you're a bigger city, you know, we can cry, poor me, we don't have the resources of a uh, maybe a Shelbyville or, a, you know, a Warsaw. Those are the two people we competed for against Stellar. Um, but the one nice thing is our, our town is very compact. So when you make that much investment in that short period of time, it makes a statement. And uh, it, it's every time I go somewhere, it's like, man, I went through Rushville the other day and it's just insane how much has happened down there. So those make you feel pretty good. But 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 again, all of those things, not just artwork, but even the city projects we've done, we've worked really hard to make sure that architecture elements are in there, that our signage is attractive. Um, again, not just nice for Rushville, but they're 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 really nice. So again, back to you, Maya, and and you know the role that the Arts Commission. It sounds like part of it has been direct, 
but that part of it was that you served as both a catalyst and sort of a referral source. So talk again about, you know, some of the people are always looking for, well, what's the direct? But then I I like the idea that you brought um, our friends at Prosperity Indiana in and served, you served sort of as a hub for all of that. So talk again about where where the Arts Commission came in with Rushville, and then let's expand out to w- what you're doing maybe in some other communities. So we we connected Rushville with Arts Midwest, which is our regional arts organization, and they have a program called World Fest, which brings in international performing arts organizations for a week's residency in a rural community, and they do they offer a week-long series of school residencies, uh, then a public performance. And there are two different international groups that come into a community in a year, and that and that program spans a couple of years. And so we were able to connect Rushville with that opportunity, and they hosted World Fest. And unfortunately, some of that was during COVID, so so Rushville wasn't fully able to take advantage, unfortunately, of the of the full opportunity of World Fest. But those are the kinds of opportunities that we can connect communities who connect with us. To, to engage with and so, because we've got we also have our own funding which I can talk about here in a couple of minutes but we also have access to other organizations and entities like Arts Midwest like Prosperity Indiana and also and I can't remember Brian if you guys took advantage of the creating places program that that the Indiana Housing and Community Development Authority offers but that's another place-based program that we have connected a lot of communities with who have utilized it to um, create pocket parks, to do public art, to do wayfinding, to help, you know, to do alley reactivate or activations, you know, sort of abandoned alleys in, in downtowns. And we have connected uh, folks with that funding opportunity, which is a, you know, I think they fund projects up to $50,000. So it's a pretty, it's a pretty sizable uh, program. And then we can connect with other other private and public uh, funding opportunities um, once we know sort of what communities are interested in. And um, that's, those are some of the things that we've done with Rushville. We've also, Brian presented at a public art conference that we did that we hosted in Indianapolis several years ago. We asked Brian to come in and talk about how small communities, small community like Rushville has gotten, you know, gotten going and, and really been out, out in front as it relates to public art in small places. So once you connect with the Arts Commission, we'll we'll find out, we'll connect you with opportunities, and we will find ways to plug you in, so that you can learn and network, and also teach other communities around the state and around the country about what you do. And so that's we think of ourselves as a funder, but we also think of ourselves as a connector, um, because although we do provide some project funding, what we really do provide is a lot of opportunity to connect and be a connector. And so, so Maya talked about, you know, a lot of the other organizations that they can help connect to. And, and Brian, I get a sense from talking to you that you yourself are a force of nature within Rushville, but I'm guessing uh, you and the mayor didn't do this all by yourself. How did other community organizations come to play in this process? Uh, I, I think in our case, we're kind of an interesting one-two punch in that the the mayor had come out of the gate with with a really strong vision of where he wanted the community to get. Uh, I had been a city councilman at the time, 
And we were having several victories, but nobody was finding out about him. So I, I just kept saying, you got to tell your story. You got to tell your story. You got to tell your story. So he ended up hiring me to, to be the one to tell the story. So we, we really, um, at the beginning, it was, it was kind of a two man show. Then it grew to where we got our council a lot more involved. Then through Stellar, we got several organizations that were more involved and we really started creating uh, an environment that was asking people to try something different, try something new. And having the mayor on board with that is great because then we can, in certain instances, provide air cover to help support those groups. So um, it, it was usually, you know, a lot of times this stuff will be a grassroots effort that you try to grow and get the the, the government involved. In this case, it was kind of the other way around, which I don't think I don't think you typically will see that uh, very often. But we felt like this was a very important part of our our transitioning into the new Rushville. And when you think back to to Stellar, something else that uh, uh, we we really worked on, and, and it was part of our sales pitch to to Maya and the other people that were there, which was we are going to transform our community. It's going to happen with or without you. It'll happen much faster with you. Um, that was that was part of what we were saying. But we made a promise that if they uh, selected us. And if we could transform our community like we wanted to, we made a promise that we'd transfer any knowledge that we get at any point. Um, so even interviews like today, I have I have full uh, availability from the mayor to say, if someone calls Rushville and is asking for help, we say yes. The neat thing about that is every time we help someone else, we learn something from them. So it, it really uh, helps out. But one of the things Maya said that I, I thought was funny is uh, they asked me to be a part of uh, uh, one of their conventions uh, at, at one point or conferences. And uh, they, they started out, there was, there was actually a brochure that said, uh, listen to experts. And I was in the picture. Uh, so when it said <laughs> experts about art and I said uh, that, that made my day. The fact that I, I have, I have zero artistic ability. I don't have any, the only thing I've been able to do is, is, is I helped create an artist. Uh, my, my, my uh, daughter has just become an arts teacher here locally which is even another neat uh, a piece of now having, now really having full access to get to the talent that is um, at the high school. So uh, I, I can only comment that of all the different resources they have, if I don't know what's going on and it's art, I simply just send an email and say, hey, we're looking for this type of artist. They send it. If it's a program, they help me get to it. If it's funding, they help me get to it. Um, it really is a, is an it has been an incredible resource for us. But there's something to be said about a state agency believing in you that's even more important. So as we start to wrap up here, um, you know, Maya, give us the pitch again for the Indiana Arts Commission. What can communities do to uh, connect with you? What is it that that you want to say to them in terms of what you uh, are available to offer? Uh, give us the pitch. Yeah, so our first, I'll start with our website, which is arts.in.gov. Uh, the second thing I'd say is we call ourselves the subject subject matter experts in the arts, and and by expert I don't mean that we we're the arbiter of all things, you know, true and good. But what what we are, to Brian's point, is if you want it, we'll we'll help make it so. Um, and whether that's resources, we'll help connect you to them. If it's information, we'll find it. If it's people, we'll get them. If it's consultation, we'll come. If it's hand-holding, we're there. So all, all, you, all the community needs to do is reach out. And I have been lucky enough to, to be connecting, again, Brian with, uh, I mean, uh, Lee, with your organization and with Brian Long at IRC and with AIM. 
and I'm having great conversations with communities along, around the state. And I just, I'm shooting my business card out with a t-shirt cannon and saying, just call me or email me. I will come uh, or anybody on staff will come and meet with you. And, and I've got, oh, I think I've got four or five visits scheduled over the next couple of weeks. So we are, we are your partner in making your community better. Um, in all the ways that, that you would like to see that happen. And we are there to help you related to arts and creativity. We do have project funding. It's an annual program. Guidelines will uh, release in December, funding deadline or, or application deadlines in March. It's a $5,000 no match grant. It's the easiest money you'll ever apply for. We're also prioritizing first time applicants in that program. So if you've never gotten money from us and you're a a uh, unit of government or a school corporation or anybody involved in economic development, apply. Um, we'd love to see an application from you. Um, but in the meantime, we're there to provide capacity building support, connections. Um, we'll even uh, connect you with Brian Sheehan, uh, who is an art expert and can give you uh, all the information <laughs> to know about about pretty much doing anything awesome in a, in a town. So that's what we're here for. Okay. So, Brian, any final thoughts, anything that uh, we failed to touch upon that you think is important to, to share? Just just a couple things that kind of wrap up of even in this last week or the, the coming week. Uh, again, you, you could have seen us uh, several years back where there's no art for 20 years that, that you could really see. Uh, then, of course, we, we had music that we learned was art. Uh, and then we, you know, you might have a mural or something. This being our bicentennial year, we, we had... Uh, worked on a number of, of art projects. And if you were to come to Rushville today versus two weeks from now, uh, we do have a, a Rushville themed mural that's going on a building. We have a, what I'm calling a Robert Indiana inspired rush statue. So it'll be R U over S H uh, that's, that's uh, coming soon. Our street department built a 10 foot tall steel guitar um, that they are going to put down in our, uh, near near Riverside Park. So we'll actually have two different kind of sculpture pieces, which um, if you go out to look for that, th those can be pretty expensive. So we've had two different organizations in town that are helped building those two uh, sculptures. And uh, one of the coolest ones I thought was in the 70s for our sesquicentennial, really to hide some ugly windows that were downtown. They painted these these images of, of uh, women of the time period and men. And, and uh, we actually got that... Um, uh, renovated here soon. So those are four art projects that are that are really coming together in, in about a two to three week period. Um, and then we had Portland uh, from Jay County come down and see us last week. What's interesting is they came to see us more about how to use art downtown and to create investment. Uh, so really this economic development discussion we're talking about, they want to know more about that. But as we're talking to them, they're telling us all of this other Art, you know, basically the part of art we don't hit real well, they're incredible at. The part they're not hitting, we are. So that's a neat um, uh, connection that was made through the Arts Commission. I think Paige hooked us up with that. So there are uh, a number of things. And in many cases, the lions that we talked about, people stop through town and say, what's up with the, with the lions? People that may have just driven through our town before. So art uh, can certainly be a, a community pride factor. It, it, as I've said, it's the greatest visual statement that something different is going on in a small town uh, that you can do. And, and as I know that, that my likes hearing it, when I say that from 2017 to current and including a new plant uh, that we have coming on, that's going to be $220 million of investment. 
who mentioned our downtown specifically and how well kept it was and how pretty it was and the art and and uh, the investment you could tell just happened. It's it is a big deal, and that all, that ball all started rolling with some tiny little art on on concrete lines. I appreciate that, Brian. I'll be down with my camera after everything's up, so I can get them uh, get photos in my portfolio. So thanks. Uh, I want to thank you both. This has been a lot of fun, and and getting to know both of you has been has been a delight. So I appreciate both the process and the fact that you made yourselves available. Uh, today, I've been talking to uh, Maya Michelson, Executive Director of the Indiana Arts Commission, and Brian Sheehan, the Director of Special Projects and Community Development for the City of Rushville, Indiana. Uh, Maya and Brian, thank you very much for spending time with me today. Thank you very much. You've been listening to IEDA In Your Ear, the podcast for members of the Indiana Economic Development Association. This podcast is copyright 2022 by the Indiana Economic Development Association, all rights reserved.